praise. Hey, God is good. Amen. Hey, you guys can go ahead and grab a seat. My name is Byron. If you're new, welcome. We're so glad to have you. I get the privilege to be the lead pastor here. And if you are new, man, you chose a great Sunday to come to church because we are continuing our study that we are calling We Are Redemption, how we experience life change through Jesus together as a church. If you're new, this series is really going to help you figure out if redemption is the place that you want to be at. And it's a reminder for all of us about why we call Redemption Church home. And over this series, we are talking about how we experience life change through Jesus. If you call Redemption home and you've experienced some life change in your life, go ahead, let me hear you. Who's here experienced some life change? That's incredible. What you need to know about us at Redemption, it's all about life change through Jesus here. That's why we have it on the wall. That's why we have it on our website. But you need to know that it's not just something we put on the wall. It's a message that God has placed here on our heart. Redemption Church exists to help people experience life change through Jesus. Which brings us to the question, well, how do we experience life change? It's a great question, and that's what this whole series is designed to answer. And what we'll say is there's five ways in which we experience life change here. That if you were to do these five things, then I can guarantee you, not your money back, but I can guarantee you that you will experience life change through Jesus. If you just would commit to one year, if you would say, Byron, I will give you one year And I would want to experience life change. Do these five things, and we guarantee that you will experience life change. We call them our core values. They're they're the way in which we operate as a church. And I'm going to give them to you up front. Here's five of them. Last week, we introduced number one, which is to worship, that we are a community that loves to worship. Number two is community. Number three, evangelism. Number four, serving. Number five, generosity. Let me repeat those one more time. Worship, community, evangelism, serving, and generosity. Those are our core values. But here's something very important that you need to understand if you want to experience life change. And here's what it is, is that at Redemption, life change is a lifestyle. Like if you want to experience life change, then you need to live a lifestyle of life change. You need to live a lifestyle of worship, live a lifestyle of community, live a lifestyle of evangelism, live a lifestyle of serving and a lifestyle of generosity because life change is a lifestyle. Listen, these are not just boxes that we check. These are not just things that we do. Listen, life change is not a to-do list. It is a to-be list. That these are things that we are to be. We don't do worship. We are worshipers. We don't do community. We are a community. We don't do evangelism. No, we are evangelists. We love sharing our faith and the good news about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We don't do serving. No, we are servant hearted leaders, both in the church, in our homes, and in our communities. We don't do generosity. No, we are generous. Why? Because we are redemption. And as we begin to incorporate these values beyond the Sunday and into the everyday, I guarantee you, you will experience life change. Because life change is a lifestyle. So with that being said, open up your Bibles. We're in Mark chapter 3. And I want to talk to you today about our second core value, which is community. The sermon title is this, is how does community lead to life change? 
out of all of the core values, I would say that this one is probably the most relevant for people in our society. That's not to say that all of the core values are less important, and this one's more important. No, this one's just more relevant at this stage in our culture, in our society. The, 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 the need that people have to experience genuine community. You know, over the past two years, what we have done is we have traded um, relationship with others for social distancing and social isolation. And we spent two years basically wearing a mask, trying to not be able to see another person smile, social distancing, not be able to touch, not to be able to hug or to spend time with our loved ones. And, and, and in that moment, it has created both a psychological and a spiritual devastation in many people's lives. Here's what we've done. Because of living life alone, we have replaced real friends with Facebook friends. We have replaced sharing meals with sharing memes. And we've replaced podcasts for the local church. We've replaced hanging out with vegging out and staring at our phones. People are lonely and experiencing isolation more now than ever before. Listen, here's some statistics. Uh, a researcher, she studied and she said that 50% 52% of Americans report feeling lonely. 47 report that their relationships are not meaningful. That means they're about a mile wide and an inch deep. They're, they're shallow relationships, and they don't have any meaning in their life. 41% report of not having a best friend. 20 years ago, the average American had three close friends. Today, researchers say that they only have one close personal friend. 40% say they do not have any friend at all. 52% of Americans, they feel left out. 58% of Americans report that they sometimes or always feel like no one knows them well. And millennials, the generation that was raised with technology, with telephones and the internet, well, out of millennials, 73% report feeling lonely. And Gen Z is not set up for success because 22% of them claim that they have no close personal friends. The bottom line is this, loneliness is a problem, but the church has the answer. Amen? What is the answer to the problem of loneliness? Well, we would call it Christian community. Now, some people say, but I went to church, I tried church, and I'm, I'm still lonely. I tried it once, and it didn't work. Well, I showed up on a Sunday, and you said I would experience life change, but I still felt as lone as I did before. But listen, here's what you need to know. Community doesn't happen in the lobby. It happens in the living room. Like some people come to church and think that in five minutes, the church is going to solve all of their life's needs and problems. They come one Sunday, and automatically everything in their world is going to get fixed. And if it doesn't, well, then the church had failed them. No, listen, you're not going to experience life change in the lobby. You're not going to build relationships in a lobby. You're not going to have community in the lobby. No, it only happens when we get out of the lobby and we get into the living room, when we get out of the church and we get into one another's lives. Community doesn't happen in the lobby. It happens in the living room. You're not going to build lasting relationships with people in five minutes. You're not going to create genuine friendships with a smile and a wave. You aren't going to bear one another's burdens when you're trying to check your kids in to Redemption Kids. You are not going to be able to hold one another accountable in the time that it takes for you to park your car and walk from the parking lot and find your seat in the church. Like, if you want to be a church that is truly going to model authentic community, then we have to realize that relationships might start in the lobby, but they got to go beyond the lobby, and they got to get down into everyday life. Community happens. 
When you open your heart, when you open your home, when you open your life and you begin to let other people in, when you begin to bear one another's burdens, when you begin to lighten each other's loaves, when you weep with those who weep, when you rejoice with those who rejoice, when you get to know somebody's story and they get to hear your story, when you remove the mask, when you show up, when you get honest, when you get real, that's where genuine life change begins to take place. And that doesn't happen in the lobby. No, where does that happen? That happens in the living room. That happens when you begin to do life with other people. So here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to show you how Jesus set up the first Christian community. I want to see some values that Jesus had when it comes to his community, and then I want us to apply those same values to our community. If you have your Bibles, we're in Mark chapter 3, starting in verse 13. I'm going to give you three things to look for when you are looking for a community. You know, there's a lot of reasons that people come to church. Statistically, according to church growth trends, they'll say that there's, there's several different reasons why people pick a church. Some pe most people pick a church because of the preaching, because of the kids' ministry, or because of the worship. But those are the reasons why people pick a church. But you know what they discovered? The number one reason why people stay at a church is because of the relationships that they develop. Like, I could preach the most banger sermon all day long, but if people don't feel loved, appreciated, known, or valued, then it's not going to matter. We can have the most incredible worship team, but if people don't feel like they're important or significant or to feel loved, then it doesn't matter. We can have the best kids ministry, but if we don't have relationships, then we're not actually a church. We're just another event or a thing for you to do on Sunday. So my question is, what do we look for? Because people are looking for a relationship. People are looking for a church. That's why people come and to find a church. Is this a place where I can belong? Well, what do we look for when we're looking for a community? Jesus gives us three things. Let's read it all up front, and then I'll give you those three things. Verse 13, and he, who's that? That's Jesus. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. It starts with Jesus. It ends with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. If we want to experience life change, where does it come from? Jesus. So Jesus is going to tell us how he picked his first community. He went up to the mountain and he called to him those whom he desired and they came to him. And he appointed the 12 whom he also named apostles that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. Now, the first thing that I want you to notice about this is that Jesus, at the very beginning of his life and ministry, he sets out to change the world forever. No one is more popular, famous, and infamous than the Lord Jesus. More songs have been sung to him. More books have been written about him. You know, more people worship him than anybody else in the history of the world. Like, this is Jesus we're talking about. And as he goes into his ministry, where he's going to preach, teach, heal, cast out demons, walk on water, die and rise for the sins of the world, ascend to the right hand of the Father, where he's going to send the Holy Spirit to empower the church, that Jesus. What is the first thing that Jesus does in Mark chapter 3? We're at the beginning of the book. What is the first thing he does? Well, you know what he does? He gets involved in a small group. I think that's amazing. Why? Because Jesus knew the value of community. Listen, if Jesus was in a small group, you need to be in a small group. If Jesus was in a community, you need to be in a community. If Jesus started the church, then we need to be a part of that church. Jesus valued community in his life. If anybody could have done life alone, it would have been Jesus. If anybody could have done ministry alone, it would have been Jesus. 
If anybody could have done relationships alone, it would have been Jesus. If anybody needed nobody, it would have been Jesus. But yet Jesus still needed people in his life. So if Jesus needed people, how much more do we need people in our lives? Jesus models and he shows us what community is supposed to look like. And so here at Redemption, if you're new, you need to understand this, is that we are going to challenge you. We are going to motivate you. We're going to inspire you. We are going to bribe you and anything short of beg you to be involved in a community group, in a small group, to be involved in our church, to be in part of a serve team. Why? Because we're just asking you to be like Jesus. That's it. We're inviting you to be like Jesus. We're inviting you into a, 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 a serve team. We're saying, hey, we're inviting you to be like Jesus. When we're inviting you into a small group, what we're saying is we're inviting you to be like Jesus. We're inviting you to be a member of the church. What we're doing is we're inviting you to be like Jesus because Jesus valued community. And so as a church, we place a really high value on community as well. Jesus understood this. He understood that life change doesn't happen in a lobby but it happens in a living room. The majority of Jesus' ministry, if you read through the Gospel of Mark, doesn't even take place in synagogues or churches. Where's this story start here? On the mountainside. Because Jesus wants us to go beyond the service and into one another's life. Jesus understands that if these 12 men were to experience genuine life change, they needed to learn how to live life together. And so if Jesus valued it, we need to value it. See, there's people who say all the time, like, I don't need a church. I don't need to go to a small group. I don't need to be on a serve team. I don't need anybody else. Why? Because it's just me and Jesus. I have a personal relationship with Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. I love to hang out with Jesus and read my, my ESV study Bible and make my little doodles on the side and listen to my podcast and listen to my worship music and, and do my morning devotionals on the Version Bible app. I just, I just love my Jesus time. It's just me and Jesus. I don't need the church. Listen. Whenever people say that, here's what they're really saying. I am immature, I do not read my Bible, and I do not like accountability. That's what they're saying, because there is nowhere, anywhere in the Bible that you would see where God says, it is good for man to be alone. No, what does God say? Genesis, the very beginning, he says, it is not good for man to be alone. You need to be surrounded by other people who are going to bless you, who are going to motivate you, who are going to encourage you, who are going to hold you accountable, who are going to speak life into you, and sometimes give you a swift kick in the rear when you're being an idiot. You need some people in your life to be able to help you to experience the life that Jesus had for you. You need some other people. Community was a core value for Jesus. Therefore, community is a core value for us. So let me give you a few things that you're going to look for when you're looking for a community. The, the first thing is this. When I'm looking for a community, I want to find a community that, that follows after Jesus. Look what it says here in verse 13. And he went up to the mountain, and he called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed the twelve whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him. I love that it starts here because it starts with Jesus. I, I, I love this because what does Jesus do? He chooses who he wants to be in relationship with. How does he choose? It starts off by him praying. Some of you, you need to pray about who you're going to do community with. You need to pray about who you're going to do life with. Pray about the friends that surround you. You need to make sure that you are praying about the people that you are inviting into your life because those are going to be people who are going to help you begin to follow after Jesus. Listen, here's what he says. He chooses people to follow him. I love this. You know why? Because every time I read verses like this, it always gives me flashback to fifth grade. 
right? P.E. and recess, fifth grade, dodgeball, when they line all the kids up and they have two team captains and they have to pick who they want to be on their team. How many of you like me were picked last? Anybody else picked last? Okay, 8.30 service, all of them picked last. I see who the, I see who the real rock stars are, 10 o'clock showing up, all right? Well, for those of you who, like me, were picked last, we're going to open the altars at the end of the service, and we're going to do an altar call, and we're going to pray for some inner healing. <laughs> See, for me, I was the awkward kid. I was, I was short. I was chubby. I was awkward. had a four-inch vertical, and I was slower than Arizona trying to count election ballots. Nobody wanted me on their team. But you know what? If, if that was you, hey, here's some good news for you, is that Jesus picked you, that Jesus chose you, that Jesus called you, that Jesus wants you, that Jesus picked you. Here's what Jesus is saying to all of us in this room. Hey, come and follow after me, that he calls them to be with him. Why? Because he desires relationship with them. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So the disciples, they, they're called by Jesus, but... It doesn't stop there. No, that's only where it starts. What's the next thing? It says, and they came to him. So Jesus chose them, but they had a choice to make as well. So Jesus initiates. They have to respond. Jesus calls them. They have to follow after him. When you're finding a community, don't just look for a community that says they believe in God. Find a community that actually loves Jesus. Don't just look for a community that, 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 that does good things, but look for a community that actually believes in the good news. Don't just look for a community that has a cause. Oh, there's a lot of causes, but not every cause actually represents Christ. You need to find you a community that is faithful and passionate about following after Jesus. Why? Because if you don't find a Christ-centered community, you will find a counterfeit community. The counterfeit community is not going to lead you to Jesus. They're going to lead you from Jesus. They're not going to make you more like Jesus. They're going to try to make you more like themselves. Because here's the reality is that everyone in your life is either leading you to him or leading you from him. You have to be very careful about who you allow in your circle. Who are you allowing in your life and to speak life into you? I've heard it said like this, that you are the sum total of the three closest people in your life. So look around at the people that surround you, and you need to ask yourself, are these the people that are going to help me grow in my faith? Are these the people that are going to help me pursue after holiness? Are these the people that are going to help me be a man or a woman after God's own heart? Are these the people that are going to help partner with me to be able to raise my kids to be little world changers? Are these the people that are going to pray for me whenever I'm hurting, or who are going to bless me whenever I'm struggling? Are these the people that are going to hold me accountable whenever I'm sinning? Are these the people in my life that are going to help me become more like Jesus. See, I want to surround myself with people who help me become more like Jesus. Amen. Like, I've just made it aside, a decision like, if they're not running after him, I ain't running with them. Amen. Because I want people who are going to help me become more like Jesus, not less like him in my life. Here's a saying that's trite, but it's so true. Listen, show me your friends, and I will show you your future. Right? When you look around at your friends, I want you to consider what your future looks like. Like, are, are these people that in 10 years, my marriage is going to be better because of the relationships? Are, are these people who in 10 years, that my, my kids are going to be healthier because of these relationships? 
Is my soul going to be in a better place 10 years from now than it was today based upon the relationships that I have? You are the sum total of the three closest friends. And if you look at your friends, you will see your future. And your future is far too important for you to waste on foolish friendships. Listen, here's what Proverbs 13, 20 says. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. You want to be wise? Well, hang out with some wise people. But the companion of fools suffers harm. If you walk with the wise, you become wise. If you hang out with fools, your life is going to suffer. I tell you this because I, I know that in this room, there are people who have some bad choices when it comes to the relationships in your life. I, I understand it. I know that you're picking your friends based upon nostalgia, based upon history, based upon your past. Well, you're not that person anymore. And so you keep surrounding yourself with people who aren't building you up, but rather they're holding you back. It's that friend, when you talk to them about your marriage, they actually encourage you to get divorced. Listen, don't take marriage advice from somebody who's had three failed marriages. And they continue to speak negative over your spouse. I know, guys, y'all work in the plants and the refineries. I know what that person in the operator booth, process operator, I know what they're saying about their wife. You don't talk to your wife to him the way he talks about his wife. I get it. I know. I hear these stories. I know that there are some of you who you go out with your friends, and they're trying to buy you one more tequila shot on Friday night when you know you're supposed to go home, and that shot turns into another shot to another drink, and pretty much it's Saturday morning, and you're filled with regret for the decisions you make. Sometimes it's not what you need to change in your life. Sometimes it's who you need to change in your life. Who are you surrounding yourself with? I want to surround myself with people who are going to bless me and encourage me. I want to surround myself with some people that whenever I'm struggling, that they're going to lift me up. Whenever I'm going through a situation, they're not just going to give me some good advice. They're going to text me a Bible verse. Those are the people I want in my life. I want people who are going to pray for me. I want people who are going to speak life over my family. I want people who are going to hold me accountable and call me on my bull crap. I want people in my life who are going to speak into the situation that I am in and not just keep me entitled into my own victim mentality. I want some people who believe in me when I don't believe in myself. I want some people who are going to pull the gold out inside of me. I want to surround myself with people who are going to hold me to a higher standard. I want to surround myself with those people. Who are you running with? You need to follow people who follow Jesus. Now, at this point, some people are going to say, well, okay, does that mean that I can't have non-Christian friends? Listen, I have non-Christian friends. I'm not saying that you just cut everybody out of your life. What I am saying is you probably need to set some boundaries, though. Like, Like people who don't follow Jesus, they don't get access into the inner sanctum of my soul. Like how are they going to be able to give me healing when, when they need restoration themselves? Right? And, I, I'm, and I love my community. I love Beaumont. And I want to reach my city, but I'm never going to reach my city by being like my city. And so I'm going to run with the church. I'm going to hang out with my community. I'm going to open my heart and my home for the people who I love to do life with. People who are going to make me more like Jesus. So the question is, are, are people helping you follow Jesus or are they holding you from following after Jesus? You want to find a community that is following after Jesus. So what is the community that follows after Jesus? Well, it's the local church. The local church is your community that is following after Jesus. If you don't know who, what local church, Redemption Church is a local church, and we want to be that community for you to help you follow after Jesus more. Number two, you want to find a community that, that serves a purpose. Look what he says next. He says, and he appointed the 12 to whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. What is the purpose of this community? 
Is this community's whole purpose just to hang out on the side of a mountain, sing kumbaya, sit around a fire, and have some feel-good vibes? Is that the point of this community? Is the point of this community just so they could just sit with Jesus and get the warm fuzzies and the goosebumps and the tinglies? Is that the, is that the point? Nope, that's not the point. What's the point? Eventually, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to call you to follow me, but if you want to follow me, you got to get up and you got to go do something. See, it's not enough for us just to sit around in our holy huddles and talk about how great Jesus is while the world outside is lost and dying and people are going to hell. He says, no, if you want to be a part of my community, you got to learn how to preach. you got to learn how to proclaim the gospel. you got to learn how to make a difference, and you got to be a community that actually serves a purpose. Listen, I love the church. I, I love this thing that we're doing right now, Sunday mornings. I love I love Sunday mornings. I love worship and I love preaching and I love the community that happens in all these different aspects. I love Sunday. I love first Wednesday prayer nights. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Every first Wednesday, the altars are filled. The spirit of God shows up. I love it. I love conferences. I love that I get to go and coach church planters with the church multiplication network. I love the assemblies of God whenever we gather every two years and we get together for our general conference. And I see all my other pastor friends. I love podcasts. I love watching sermons on YouTube. I love Christian leadership books. Oh, I love them all. But listen, that, my friends, is not the extent of church. Like if that's what your definition of church is, your definition of church is inadequate. Because here, here's what we got to understand, is that church is not just what happens here on the Sunday. Church is what happens in between these two Sundays. It's a community that lives on purpose. And if the only aspect of church you know is going to a service, then your view of discipleship will always remain shallow. Listen, Jesus never imagined that the church would be a place where people could come to be entertained and leave without being empowered. Jesus never imagined the church would be a place where people can fill a seat without filling a purpose. Jesus never imagined the church would be a place where people can be spectators without being participators or being consumers without being contributors. No, he understands that his vision is the church would leave the mountain and become a movement that would change the world forever. You will never fulfill your God-given potential until you start serving a purpose with your life. Find you a community that encourages you to find what that purpose is. See, some people, they, they try out a church. They treat church like a cruise ship. Me and Ashley, we love going on cruises. And, and when we try to find our cruise, we want to pick the perfect cruise ship. Oh, what cruise ship has this restaurant or this water slide or going to this destination. And, and we always try to find the perfect cruise ship. I think some people, they, they find churches like they do cruise ships. Oh, this church has donuts. And I bet you didn't know this, but if you go to the 8.30 service, they got different donuts than they got at the 10 service because 8.30 came first. That means they got the first choice of donuts. Oh, this church, they, they got a water, I mean, they, they got water slides in the summer. They got, they got a slide in the kids' room. Oh, the parking was easy. They had signs. Oh, the kids' checking was great. The worship was incredible. The lights were, the lights were great. The, the haze machine. Oh, and the pastor, well, he's a little loud. He thinks he's funny, but he's not as funny as he thinks he is. And he always wears the same clothes. I, I kind of worry about him sometimes. But other than that, I think, I think this church is going to be the church for me. I, I, really, I really like this church. And we pick churches based upon our own convenience, based upon our own needs, based upon our own, uh, our, our, our own desires. 
And, and we pick churches a lot like cruise ships. But, but here's what you need to know. That the, the local church is not a social club for the fraternization of the saints. It is, not, it, it is, it is, a, uh, it is a battleship designed for the advancement of the kingdom of God. That's what the local church is. It's designed to serve a purpose. You need to find a community that serves a purpose. Hebrews 10, 24 tells us this, and let us consider how to stir one another up. we gotta, we got to stir one another up. Some of y'all, you need to be stirred up because you become too stagnant in your life and in your faith. You need to be stirred up a little bit. You need to be encouraged. You need to be motivated. You need to be challenged. You need to be pushed. You need to be stirred up. Why? So that way we can serve good, so we can love and do good works, not just have Good vibes, not just have good services, not just have good feelings, but that we would do good works. Another way to say that is that way we would serve a purpose with our lives. Listen, you have a purpose, and you will never discover the reason that God has saved you and called you until you get up and you begin to do something in your life. At Redemption Church, we want you to know something. is that this is not a church to where you could just get comfortable. It's not a church where you can just play church. It's not a church where you could just pretend Christian. This is not a, that type of church. We don't do easy believerism here at Redemption Church. No, here's the reason why. It's because we believe that you will never find your calling while you're in your comfort zone. People ask me all the time and say, Pastor, what is my calling? What is God's plan for my life? And I'll tell you what, you will never find it whenever you try to play it safe. Your, your calling in life is on the other side of your comfort zone. Listen, at Redemption Church, I need you to understand something. Is that you are going to get uncomfortable here. We are going to make you uncomfortable. We're going to do everything we can to make you as uncomfortable as we can. Why? Because your calling is on the other side of that comfort zone. So we're going to push you to join a small group. We're going to motivate you to get on a serve team. We're going to challenge you to become a member of the local church. We're going we're to inspire you. We're going to stir one another up. Why? For love and for good works. Because on the other side of your comfort zone is the calling that God has on your life. This is not the type of church to where you could just show up without serving, where you could just consume without contributing, where you can practice easy believerism without actually professing and practicing a real genuine Christian faith. Redemption is a church where you're going to be uncomfortable. And if you sit here too many times without doing something, then somebody's going to step on your toes and make you offended. But my response to you is this. Get your toes out of the aisle and get up and be a part of a team. Nobody would step on your toes if you weren't sitting down. And so be a part. Of what God is doing here in the local church, get out of your comfort zone, you'll find God's calling in your life. Every single one of you, you were made by God on purpose and for a purpose, and God has a great purpose in your life. And our church wants to be that community that is going to help you serve a purpose. Be a part of something that is bigger than yourself. Find a community that serves a purpose and that doesn't just have church services. Number three, find you a community that brings freedom. He says, there's three things that I'm looking for. Number one, I'm looking for a community that follows after Jesus. Number two, I'm looking for a community that actually serves a purpose. And then number three, I'm looking for a community that will bring freedom in my life. Look how the story closes out here. Verse 13, and he went onto the mountain and he called to him those whom he desired and they came to him and he appointed the 12 with whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Now, here's where it gets good. Verse 15, and to have authority to cast out demons. 
All the new people are like, what kind of church did I just come to? This is the place where I would like the ushers to come forward and release the snakes. Just kidding. We'll save that for first Wednesday. We're not that type of church. But this is something that is, is very important. He says, he says, when you're looking for a community of people, find, find three things. One, they follow Jesus. Number two, that they serve a purpose. And then number three, make sure they got some authority in their life. Make sure that, that they can have the authority to drive out the things that actually hold you back in your life. See, the, the reality is, is that every single one of us, we have problems. Now, some of your problems are demonically inspired, but some of your problems are self-inflicted. But either way, we all got problems. We all got issues. That's why I don't buy the hype where people are like, well, I don't want to go to church because everybody's hypocrites. You know what? You're right. Everybody here is a hypocrite, and there's a seat right over there waiting for you because you're a hypocrite too. Like, we all got issues. We all got problems. You say, well, I don't have any problems. That's your problem. You say, you don't think you have any problems. You got the most problems out of all of us. But every single person in this church, they have issues, they have problems, they have things that they're walking through and things that they are going through. And we need to be a part of a community that has the authority to be able to speak God's word and bring God's power and God's kingdom on display in their lives. We need to be a part of a community that has the authority to be able to bring healing, to be able to bring peace, to be able to bring deliverance, and to be able to bring freedom to those who are hurting and those who are struggling. But see, it's, it's important because Jesus says, find you a place and find you a people that have authority to cast out the things that are holding you back. We all have these areas in our lives. Listen, here's what you need to understand is that Jesus doesn't only forgive us. But he also sets us free. I need you to understand this. Because a lot of Christians don't understand this. A lot of Christians are like, yay, Jesus has forgiven me. But they keep going back to their old life. A lot of Christians have forgiveness. But they don't yet have genuine freedom. Right? Because how are we forgiven? Well, we're forgiven by repenting. And turning from our sins and trusting in Jesus, the moment that Jesus died on the cross, his shed blood has forgiven us. Past, present, future sins, totally forgiven. You are forgiven. But we got a lot of Christians who are forgiven, but they're not actually walking in genuine freedom. Because they keep going back to their old life. They keep going back to their old ways. They keep going back to those old patterns and to their old habitual sins. They have forgiveness, but they don't have freedom. They have been saved, but they have not yet been sanctified. Sanctification is the process of denying yourself, picking up your cross, and following after Jesus. Salvation happens in a moment. Sanctification, my friends, that takes a lifetime. And many people have settled for forgiveness when God wants to lead them into genuine freedom. See, you struggle with the same addiction. You wrestle with the same demons. You, you, you battle with the same temptation. You think in the same worldly ideologies. You're stuck to the same negative thought patterns. You're still a slave to woke ideology. You are crippled by your depression. You are overwhelmed by anxiety. You are still going back to the toxic relationships and the destructive habits that have destroyed your life in the past. You are forgiven, but you are not yet free. You are saved, but you have not yet been sanctified. You need to get you into a community that is going to help you to have those things delivered from your life, to find freedom. Listen, I'm so thankful for my salvation experience. 
I shared it with you a couple of weeks ago as part of this series about how me and Ashley met Jesus. I mean, we were spun out on drugs, partying, sleeping together, living together. And then I went to church on a Sunday morning and Jesus totally wrecked my life. I went down to the front and the altars. I got on my knees. I gave my life to Jesus. And I got up. And I would love to tell you that all my problems magically went away the moment that I prayed that prayer. But they didn't. It actually took a while. It took almost two years for me to begin to experience what we would call today life change through Jesus. And this week I, I was talking to, to a man in our church who recently had relapsed. And he was asking me, he's like, Pastor, how did you get clean? And I, I told him my story because he, he knows it. And here's what I told him. I said, for me it wasn't an AA program. It wasn't some 12-step program. For me the answer was found in the local church. It was whenever I joined a small group, quite literally, it was that small group that changed my life. I, I knew that I needed to be in church, I started attending church, but I wasn't just content on going to church. I wanted to be known by the local church. And so I, I went to and started a small group, and actually several people who are in our church to this day were a part of that first small group. Here we are 17 years later, and we're still going to church together, and we're still best friends with one another. And it was in that small group, I opened up my heart, I opened up my life, we began to share with one another, we were honest about our sins and our struggles, our shortcomings. And listen, at the end of that first year, being in community, I discovered life change. I had found hope, I found healing, I found deliverance, and I found freedom. Like listen, if, if you're going to call Redemption home, you just need to understand something, is that we are a messy church. We're a messy church. Some of y'all more messy than others. And we love you, but we're a messy church. And some of y'all just learned how to hide your mess better than others, and we love you as well. But, but we're a messy church. You're going to have to get used to this. I talked to some pastor friends of mine, like, do y'all go through this? They're like, no, we do not go through that. Do y'all have somebody? No, that has never happened in our church. Like, wow, that happened twice this week. We got some messy people. There's some messy people, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Do you know why? Because it is the same people that make the church messy that also make the church meaningful. It's in that mess that the local church finds its meaning. Listen, if you're looking for a perfect church, keep looking. It's not redemption. And if you ever find the perfect church, don't go because the moment you join it, you'll ruin it because you ain't perfect either. But if you're looking for a church where you can be honest, where you can be real, where you can be authentic, and where you can experience life change, then redemption is the place for you. Then redemption is the church for you. Our church is filled with people who are hurting and struggling and broken. Our church is filled with people who wrestle with sin and temptation. I mean, in this room right now, we have people who are going through a divorce next to people who had just gotten married. We have doctors and we have homeless people in this church. We have people who are living victorious over their addictions. We got people who are active in their addictions. We got people who are happy. We got people who are sad. We got people who are pregnant. We got people who are infertile. There's a whole lot of people in this church. And ain't not one of them got it all together. And it's when we all come together and we're honest with our mess, that's when the church finds its true meaning. It's the same people that make the church messy, that make the church meaningful. We got people in here who have been following Jesus for 50 plus years. We got other people who are coming and saying, I'm giving God one last shot. And in that midst of that mess, we find that the church has meaning. Listen, find you a community 
that would be able to tell you, listen, it's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay for you to stay that way. God has better plans for your life than you to stay in that mess. It's not okay for you to stay that way. You come here, you get some help, let us cast some demons out of your life. Get around some people that got some authority to break off strongholds and to see breakthrough in your life. Find you some people who actually have authority. And here's what's going to happen. It's going to turn your tragedy into triumph, your pain into purpose, your test into a testimony, and your mess becomes your ministry. Listen, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to go to a perfect church. I don't want to go to a perfect church. How boring would that be if you go to a perfect church? Because that's a church where you have to pretend that you have it all together. That's a church where you have to fake it until you make it. you got to name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. I don't want to go to that church. I don't want to pretend. I don't have to wear a mask. I don't want to go to a church that doesn't have a struggle bus and a hot mess express parked in the parking lot. I want to go to a church where I can be real. I want to go to a church where I can be honest. And I want a church where I can find some real people who will bring some real freedom in my life through a real Jesus. That's the church that I want to go to. Why? Because a perfect church has empty altars. A perfect church has a dry baptism tank. A perfect church has a quiet kids ministry. A perfect church has plastic people and a pointless pulpit. I do not want to go to a perfect church. I want to go to a church that got some authority to drive out some demons, to be able to set some people free, to bring freedom, and to bring deliverance, and to break off the things in people's lives that are holding them back from everything that God has in store for their life. So let me make it real simple. Some of you are wondering, okay, well, how do I find community at redemption? This is very important. The book of Proverbs says if you want to be a friend, if you want to have a friend, you need to learn how to be a friend. The one who wants friends must him first self become friendly. Listen, you got to understand is that at redemption, we can create the opportunity, but you are responsible. We can set up the systems we can create the pathway, but you got to go on the journey. Like, I can't force relationship on you. That's creepy. I think they actually have laws against that. But we can create the opportunity, but you are responsible for taking that opportunity. Listen, there's people who come to church all the time, and they're like, I tried church. It didn't work. I came to church, and, 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 and nobody talked to me. Listen, we have one of the friendliest churches in Southeast Texas. That's our goal every week. It's like we want to be the friendliest church in Southeast Texas. And, and, and people are like, well, I tried and I tried. I'm like, no, look, look, here's the deal. Is that you stood in a corner like this with a mean look on your face, like you just drank some sour milk, and you're like, nobody talked to me. I'm like, well, maybe the reason nobody talked to you is because you look like you were about to stab them. So... If you want to find community, you must pursue community. Just like we see here, Jesus chose them, but they had to follow after him. They had a choice. They had to choose too. They had to make a choice to be in community. Jesus didn't force community on them. They had to make a choice to be in community together. And so let me give you five ways here at Redemption that we have created to where people as a church, can foster this core value of community. They're like, I'm new to redemption. How do, I, how do I find community? Well, this one's not even on the list. It's just a freebie. You fill out this connect card. It says connect because we want to get connected, right? And, and this, is just the, this is just the beginning. If you're, if you're new or you haven't filled one out, 
just fill this out. Put your name, email, and your phone number, and I'll personally text you tomorrow. So that way we can begin this journey of being, have, being community. I'll, I'll personally text you. If you give me your phone number, I'll give you mine. Because we want to be a church that values real community. The, the second thing is this, is to go to next steps. We do next steps every first Sunday of the month. That's how valuable it is to us. We do it every single month on the first Sunday of the month. We do next steps. What is next steps? It's a newcomer's lunch where you get to hang out with me and Ashley. You get to meet other people who are new in the church. So that way you can begin to build relationships. And after that, you get on a serve team. It's in the serve team that you're going you're gonna to be Yoked up with one another, brothers and sisters in arms, serving a purpose that is bigger than yourself. You're going to recognize that we is better than me. And you're going to begin to serve what that purpose is. You're going to find what that purpose is by, by being a part of a serve team. Then number three, you're going to be a part of a small group. In a small group, you meet in people's homes all across southeast Texas. We have homes in Orange. We have small groups in Lumberton. We have small groups in Mid-County, Port Arthur, Bridge City, Vider, and in Beaumont. we got small groups all across southeast Texas. It's just a small group of about 10 to 12 people who every single week they get together and they do Bible studies. They pray together. They take Holy Communion together. They worship together. And they do life together. And we have small groups all across Southeast Texas. Did you say get in a small group? Number four is to become a member. Go to membership class. In January and in June, twice a year, we open up membership class. This is where we go a little bit deeper in our relationship. It's a, it's a covenant community at this point. It's where redemption becomes your faith family. You've been coming to redemption for three months, six months, and you have yet to do these things. That's, and you don't feel like you experience real community. Can I just say, that's on you. Because you're only as lonely as you want to be. We've created opportunities for you to get plugged in, for you to get connected, for you to make new friends, and for you to meet new people. The question is, are you pursuing community? We can create it, but you have to take advantage of it. Which leads to the last thing. Like, if you're here and you're just like, hey, I am an emergency service. I need to be around some people in my life right now. The fifth thing is this. Come to our Christmas party on December 9th. You're, you're invited. Every year we do a big Christmas party. It's totally free, free food, great people. Come hang out with us. Come be a part of what God is doing here at Redemption Church. Because we want to we walk with you through this journey of, of life. See, for me, my story is tied to the local church. I love the local church. You say, Byron, you just, it seems like you just keep trying to get me to join the church. Listen, I am. You know why? Because I love the church. I love the local church. My story is tied to the local church. I, I told you earlier that part of my story is, that when I, I met Jesus, but not everything in my life changed. About that first year, two years maybe, I was still a wreck. That's why I'm so gracious and patient with many of you guys. Because I was probably like 15 times worse than where you're at today. So kudos to you. And I remember one Sunday I went to church, and I knew I had to be there, but I'd been up drinking all night, partying, and probably smelt like weed and regret. But I knew that. When Sunday morning came around, I needed to be there. And so I made that decision, I'm still going to go to church. And so I walked in, and my pastor looked at me in the lobby. His name's David Berkheimer. He's gone to be with the Lord since then. And he looked at me and said, hey, Byron, how are you doing? 
said, to be honest, not doing good. And he put his hand on my shoulder, and here's what he said. He said three words. These three words changed my life forever. They're so important that we put them on the wall in the lobby. You know what those three words are? Keep showing up. Just keep showing up. Like when you don't feel like it, just keep showing up. When you don't want to, keep showing up. When you're tired, keep showing up. When you're hungover, keep showing up. When you're exhausted, keep showing up. When you're sad, keep showing up. When you're depressed, keep showing up. When you're happy, keep showing up. When you're miserable, keep showing up. Whenever you are feeling down, keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Whatever it is, keep showing up. Listen, you never know the Sunday that's going to be your breakthrough. You never know the small group that's going to change everything. You never know the serve team on that Sunday that's going to be the one that's going to bring deliverance. You never know which which opportunity it's going to be that's going to change your life. But I can guarantee you, it is definitely not the ones that you miss. So keep showing up. Just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. It's been 17 years since I made a decision to follow Jesus. And you know what? I'm still here. Highs, lows, ups, downs, good times, bad. Keep showing up. And that's how we will create a Christ-centered community here at Redemption. Whenever we all take accountability for what God is doing here in this house.